Okay, so two weeks or the last several weeks, we went through uh, chapter 7 and really gave us a, a look on the Christian's life in uh, how we can be saved and still struggle with sin and how, how we understand our Christian life in light of uh, sin and the flesh. And then last week, um, we have one of the greatest verses in uh, the entirety of the New Testament, entirety of the Bible, right? In, in chapter 8, verse 1, therefore there is no condemnation, right? We have nothing to dread, nothing to fear. If we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And, and that is a very important important oh do you need one yes i have one that is a very important uh phrase paul uses there on the heels of uh talking about how much we're in in struggle with sin and I, he he places uh this phrase here uh very timely uh, as we come through the chapter seven and we're you know we're kind of a little bit down maybe, um, thinking about all of our sin and the struggle that we have. And then he comes in and says, hey, if you're in Christ, there's no need to fear because there is no condemnation. You are not going to be a part of that final judgment. You're, there's nothing uh, condemning you. And, we're not, and so... Obviously, Dean went through all that last week, and so we're moving forward into verse uh, number 5 through 8, and uh, Paul continues um, to bring up the issue, and he's going to do this for a while, of the flesh and the spirit and how, they, uh, how they're different from each other and how they, you know, we war against the flesh and the understanding those that are in the flesh as far as not saved and, and how they live and who they are. And hopefully today we'll get an understanding of unsaved people. And I've dealt with this uh, recently a few times talking with some people getting us to understand, because I've had some people ask, why, um, why is this person doing this? Or why is that person acting in this way? And one of the things that we can always come back to is, are they a believer or are they in the flesh? And if we come with the result of they are in the flesh, then uh, they're, they're just living out their nature, the way that they're going to live. And we, we really can't expect them to be any other way. Okay? Romans is very clear that an unsaved person is only going to what? Sin. They're only going to live wicked. They're only going to do things that are displeasing to God. They are not going to please Him. And that varies, right? We don't, we don't see... Um, we don't see everyone as a Hitler or everyone as, uh, you know, some wicked uh, person um, in the sense of the way we would view humanity. Um, but, you know, so there are differences on the levels of our sinfulness. 
But at the same time, we are all sinners before Christ. And some are worse than others, but all condemned, right? So we understand that, and that's what Paul is going to address. He's going to look at um, the, the difference between the flesh and the spirit and how, how those that are in the flesh live one way, how those are in the spirit live another, okay? So in verse number 5, he mentions two different mindsets. All right, there's two different mindsets given. All right, and so let's read verse number 5 of chapter 8 of Romans. For those who are according okay, to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Okay, the mindset on the flesh is... Uh, um, applied to all what? All who? What do we think that one? Your first blank there is all what? The mindset on the flesh is all what? Unbelievers. Okay? All unbelievers, their mind is set on the things of the flesh. And again, that is different for each person. Okay? And we have gone over this earlier in the book of Romans where we talked about um, in chapter 3 where it talks about there is none good, there is none who do righteous and all of that. And you think, well, hey Mark, what about the unsaved person that stops on the side of the road and helps Joe change your tire when it's flat on the side of the road? Isn't that a good thing? Yes, it is. But at the end of the day, uh, it was... Um, he, the person, for whatever reason, they cannot do anything uh, that would please God or anything that is righteous or good in themselves uh, that would please God. So it doesn't matter if we would say, yes, it's a good act. It doesn't matter. The Bible says they can do nothing that is good or righteous. And so um, the difference, uh, you know, that person did a humanic good act, um, but it still wasn't pleasing to God because they're not in Christ. They're not a part of Him. And you still have, um, the flesh is fulfilled in that, and you're gratifying your flesh. You're making yourself feel good in that. And, you know, and, and this is hard for us to, to struggle with because, well, yeah, I am going to feel good if I stopped on the side of the road and helped someone change their tire. All of that to be said that in our flesh we do only what is going to please and uh, gratify the flesh. And there's another person that might come along and see Joe on the side of the road and instead of helping her change her tires, he grabs her purse and takes off, right? Whoa, what's that? You have AAA? Okay. <clears throat> she has a crowbar too, so... No, but um, we're going to, you know, we're going to look at that man and say, oh, he's horrible, obviously. How could you take a, a purse from, you know, a, a lady on the, that's distressed on the side of the road? And we would obviously all agree, well, there is no good in that person, right? Well, the, the person that stopped and helped with the tire uh, or the person that stopped and stole her purse, both are 
fulfilling the lust of the flesh, just in different ways. And, and we need to realize that as we see Scripture and as we identify the difference between the, those that are in the flesh and those that are in the Spirit, and they only can interact and only can act according to their nature. Okay? Um, the, we don't see... Um, we don't see animals acting outside of what their nature is, right? Uh, in, in the wild, some animals act in a herd instinct. And if they're outside of their herd, uh, they get freaked out and they get scared. And it's, it's very much outside of their nature, their herd instinct. And then you have other animals, uh, you know, like uh, cats and the big cats and stuff. They're very much... Uh, can be by themselves type animals. They don't need, uh, and that's inside their nature. And so uh, it would be very uncommon or not seen at all for you to go to Africa and see um, a wildebeest just standing out, unless it's sick, standing out in a field with no other wildebeest within miles. You wouldn't see that. That's not inside their nature. Does that make sense? It's the same thing with humanity. We have two different natures. Uh, or we have one nature uh, at, at, that we're born with, and that is the nature of the flesh. The nature of the flesh. And uh, Paul is addressing that here. For those who are according to the flesh. okay, In the flesh, um, they are unsaved, unregenerated, haters of God. And you think, man, Mark, that's a, that's a strong statement. No, that's a biblical statement. Those that are not according to the Spirit or in the Spirit or saved or regenerated, all of those words, if they are not, they are haters of God. Now that doesn't mean they walk around stating the fact that they are haters of God. They're, they're not, you know, coming up into the store and saying, hey, Katrina, you know what? I hate God. That's not what we're seeing. But in the way they live in the way that they act, in the way um, that they promote the flesh, would be in opposition to, I, uh, I don't care about the things of God. And we've covered that. Uh, Paul has covered that. And he, he continues to remind us. And I, I think one of the important reasons why is because we deal with the flesh and we deal with humanity that is living in their sinful flesh that are not saved and it gives us good insight gives us good understanding and we can sit there and say why would they do xyz and the answer is they're in the flesh they're doing what their nature is to do and we should not be surprised between those that uh, would do maybe small, uh, innocent, or what we would say, you know, small minor sins or whatever, to the big heinous ones, none of them should be surprising to us uh, because of their nature. All right, for those who are according to the flesh, um, set their mind on the things of the flesh. Okay? So when we think of setting their mind on, your second deal there is their affections, mental 
processes, and will are all motivated by the flesh. Okay? Their affections, mental process, how they process things, and their will is all motivated by the flesh. Okay? Their affections, this is point number two, affections, mental process, how they process things, and their will are all affected or motivated by the flesh. Okay, 1 John 2.16. Someone grab 1 John 2.16. Someone else grab Galatians 5.19-21. And then someone else grab Romans 1.28-32. So who has John, 1 John 2.16? All right. You got Galatians, you got First John, and then who has Romans one? All right, Dean. Okay, so First John two sixteen. What does that say? <sighs> Good, it's slowing me down. Okay. So the the things mentioned there this is all what the world is boastful pride of life the all of the things that we would uh, not want in our lives and disagree with as believers is not from God. We can't say that those things are from God. It is a part of the world and its philosophy which is tied to the flesh. Galatians 5 19 through 21. Okay, so um, when you go through that list, and I would encourage you to look at that list in a little more detail. Some of them jump out and you're like, well, you know, I don't know anyone that does that or that or that. But there's other aspects that we struggle with when we look at humanity and we say, why is this person, you know, angry? Well, what does the Bible say? This is a part of who they are. Why are they drunken? Well, this is a part of who they are as a person that lives in the flesh. Okay? That is Galatians 5, 19, and tw- 19 through 21. Hopefully soon, well, it won't be soon, but hopefully we'll get to preach through Galatians or teach through Galatians and Ephesians. Love those two books. Kind of like the whole Bible, but you know, it's it's all kind of good. But there's aspects uh, of those that are just super, super uh, insightful to our life. Okay, but these give us insight to when we see humanity. You're going to hear me say this a lot this morning. When you see humanity doing what humanity does, we should not be surprised. We should not get overly angry. And we have the tendency to do that, right? Those of us that like to follow politics can get 
really, really frustrated and angry at what we're seeing today. But we have to understand they are doing their nature. They're doing what makes them happy. They're fulfilling the lust and the desires of their flesh. Okay? And then lastly, Romans 1, 28-32. Wow, that's, uh, that's what's said about those that are in the flesh. Okay, so this is, this is who is Paul's referring to here uh, in chapter 8 and verse 5. Those who are according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. When you set your mind on something, that is typically what you enact. That's what you act out, Right? And we're going to circle back to that here in, in, uh, as we get down uh, to the latter part of verse 7. All right, But we're going to move on and talk about uh, the next aspect of this verse, all right, which is the mindset on the Spirit is applied to who? All believers. Okay, All believers. Believers have the ability... To set their affections, uh, mental processes, and will on the things of the Spirit. Now, what do, you, what do you see different about that statement compared to uh, the statement made about the flesh? The mindset on the flesh can what? Only fulfill the lust of the flesh. They cannot do anything but what fulfills the lust of the flesh. Okay? Believers have the Holy Spirit within them. Their mind is set on the things of the Spirit. Um, and the, your second point there is believers have the what? Ability. Right? The ability to set their affections, mental processes, and their will on the things of the Spirit. Why do you think I chose the word, the ability? Because we don't always do it, right? You get back to chapter 7 and it totally answers that. So I can't put down, I, I couldn't put down that believers um, have their minds set and their affections and their will are all on the Spirit. Because that would totally discount what chapter 7 is saying. Okay, So we now have the ability, and again, we're going to circle back to this, uh, verse 5, when we get to verse 7. Alright, so uh, keep your mind engaged in this, and, and it'll make sense why I keep saying we're going to circle back here in just a second. But setting our mind on the things of the Spirit looks like... Okay, so we saw what it looks like for the flesh. 
All right, it's evident we should not be surprised when we see the world that is not regenerated acting in the ways that we read in those chapters. Uh, this, these verses that I'm going to give to you is the way that we should act as believers. And there's more to than there's more than this, these verses that I'm going to give you um, that um, talk about how Christians should live. But these give us a, a good. A good uh, understanding, okay? First Corinthians for chapter 5 and verse 17. First Corinthians 5 and 17. And then we're going to go back to Galatians again. Galatians 5, uh, 16 and 17, and then jump forward to 22 and 25. So someone grab First Corinthians 5:17, okay? Yep, go ahead. Okay, so we are one with the Spirit. Okay, this is a, a joining together. This is a uh, we live as according to the way the Spirit would have us live. Okay, and how would the Spirit encourage us to live? Galatians five sixteen and seventeen. What does that say, Jess? Okay, and then 22 through 25, same chapter. Okay, so this, the 22 through 25, gives us a bunch of things that characterize walking by the Spirit. And uh, Paul in Galatians here is identifying the same thing he was here in Romans, that the, there is a battle between the Spirit and the flesh, and that's never going to go away. Uh, it's most likely going to increase the closer and the more the more you grow in your sanctification, the, the the closer you get to God, the struggle with your flesh is going to increase exponentially because you're going to be more aware. The sin struggle is always the same. Let me let me make that uh, correction. The sin struggle is always the same. We always struggle with the the flesh in the same type way. The difference is the more we grow in our sanctification, the more what? We're aware of the sin and it becomes a bigger deal to us. You know, as a brand new believer that's just gotten saved and they're, saying they're not very far along on their sanctification road, um, doesn't see sin in the same way that a believer saved 10, 15, 20 years would see sin. And they, they, you would think, well, man, that person should struggle less. Well, no, their spirit is convicted even the more. And, and we saw that with Paul, right? Paul stated, I was the least of the apostles, to the least of the saints, to the chief of all sinners. And the more he grew in his sanctification, the more disgusted he became with his sin. And so the battle seems to increase because we realize how sinful the flesh truly is. Okay? So... The, 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 but, the one, but those who are according to the Spirit or in the Spirit would be another way to say that uh, or regenerated or justified um, in the Spirit 
the things of the Spirit is where their mind is set and, and how they should conduct themselves. Okay, and so and then as we get to verse number 6 on our deal, there are two realities. Okay, there's two realities given in uh, this short little verse. Okay, the reality for the flesh. Okay, for the mindset on the flesh is death. Okay, and this is spiritual death. Spiritually dead. Okay, the mindset on the flesh, those that are in the flesh, and this is an important thing that we need to grasp and understand, um, is that the spiritual life of the person that is in the flesh or unregenerated, that person's spirit is dead. It's dead. It's inactive. Okay, And again, we'll see how that makes sense when we get to verse 7 again. Okay, Spiritually dead. How do we know that? Well, let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians 2. 1 through 3. Ephesians 2. Verses 1-3. Galatians 2.17. And then just over on my Bible, it's just over the page to uh, Romans 6.23a. Okay, you got Ephesians? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so Paul is encouraging them and saying this is where you formerly were. Uh, what does the first part of that verse say, Dean? Verse 1. Okay, so Paul is saying you were dead. Okay, this is past tense, but it's referring to, he's talking to believers. And so before you were a believer, you were dead. Okay, spiritually dead. Um, Sorry, I said Galatians. I meant Genesis. Okay, they both start with a G, right? <laughs> Genesis chapter two and verse seventeen. Genesis two and seventeen. What does that say? That's the first book in the Bible. You got that, Mike? Okay. So the command to Adam and Eve was don't eat of the tree in the garden because in the day that you do, you will surely die. Now that refers to two different deaths there. Okay, They are going to die spiritually and they're going to die physically. Now they didn't die physically on the spot, uh, but they eventually died. God's desired plan for humanity was to live forever. And worship Him. okay. Um, but when they ate the fruit, their body not only died, but their spirit died as well. Okay? Um, and then Romans 3 and 23a. Or 6, sorry. It's, it said 6 here. I just said 3. <laughs> For the wages of sin is death. 
Okay, now that one is referring to a final judgment, but it's also, uh, we are dead. It's all sin, the flesh, everything is wrapped in death. Okay, so when it says in verse number 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death. There is nothing... Um, for the unbeliever, there's no good in death, right? For the believer, we're not fearful of death, right? We're excited about it to a point because to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. And if that doesn't excite you, you're probably not saved, okay? We are, should be excited about the prospect of being present with our Lord. Very excited about that. All right, and then the latter part of the verse, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. So the mindset on the Spirit is spiritually alive. Okay, we become alive. Uh, we, are re- we are born again. We are brought to life. We have a new life, a new nature. The one that is set on the the spirit mind is set on the spirit has a new life, a new nature, and what has peace with God. What does Romans five and verse one say? Just look over back on the the back passage. Romans five and verse one. What does it say? Why is that such a big deal? Why is, such a, why is it such a ginormous deal that we have peace with God? What does Romans say about the wicked? Yeah, we're horrible, okay? What does he say back in verse, or chapter 1 and verse 18? What does the first part of that verse say? For the wrath of God is revealed against, uh, 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 from heaven against all ungodliness. Okay? The wrath of God is poured out upon ungodly people. So when you get to chapter 5 and it says, For having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That is not just a statement we should overlook. That statement is just as big as the statement Paul makes here in chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Just as big, just as powerful of a statement. Okay, So we not only are not dead spiritually, we're brought to life, a new life, but we also have peace with God. This should be very exciting to us. Okay? We have peace with him. Verses on the other verses on this, uh, Romans um, 6:23, the latter part of it. All right, what does it say? But the yep, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. Okay? Woo. And that's not something to 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 to, you know, to think lightly on. It is eternal life as opposed to t- eternal death. Hmm. 
Big, 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 big. Okay, Paul is making huge statements here. You didn't think so much could be packed into a little tiny phrase, did you? But it is. There's so much packed in here. You might be thinking, why, is Dean, why are Mark and Dean chunking this down into four little verses at a time? Because it's way too much to go through. Right? Yeah, okay? It's hard to, to, to nail everything down and, 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 and really grasp what it was saying if we uh, chew too much. Okay? Uh, it's like we tell our, my children all the time, chew smaller bites. You'll enjoy your food and you won't choke, right? Michaela's horrible at it. She'll get, she'll get her pancakes out in the morning. She, she probably gets it from her father. But um, yeah, she'll, she'll, you know, she looks like chickmunk. Okay? Your two-year-old does that? <laughs> Jessica's 38-year-old does that, so... <laughs> I know, I said Jessica's 38-year-old does that. So, all right, enough about me. Um, That's right. Well, if I don't get the half a cheesecake in, you'll eat the rest. Ephesians 2 and verse 5. Ephesians 2 and verse 5. If you got it, go ahead and read it. Ephesians 2 and verse 5. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's try that again, all right? There we go, okay. Yeah, that, that's the... That's the way to read that. Okay. Even when we were dead, again, this is what? Past tense. Okay. This is when we were in the flesh, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. Okay. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Okay. So, again, walking in the Spirit, we have life and peace. There's peace. We excited about peace with God this morning. We should be very excited about peace with God. Okay. Now we've gotten to chapter se- or verse number seven, where I kept talking about. Okay. Verse number seven. Because the mind set on the flesh is what hostile. What do you think of when you think of the word hostile? What is what comes to mind if I were to say? Um, this person is hostile towards Joseph. What would, you, what would you think of that person? Angry? Violent? Revenging? You know, being, you know, maybe uh, resentment, maybe? Um, there's all kinds of uh, emotions stirred up in the word hostile. Okay? This is a hostile situation. Uh, and that, you know, not, not, not in a uh, hostage, but a hostile situation or a heated situation or uh, just, ah, I hate God, what, which we have already read, okay? Haters of God, all right? So 
because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. Hostile. This is, um, again, something to remind us of when we are dealing with the flesh and the people that are unsaved, uh, no matter who they are, they are in their nature hostile towards God. Hostile. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. Okay? So the person in the flesh is not only hostile, they don't subject themselves to God at all in any way, to His law, to His precepts. We see that back in Romans, right? They know what is right because God writes it upon their heart, um, but they do not do it. Okay? And how do, we, or how do we understand this is clarified in the end of verse 7. For it is not even for it is not even able to do so. Is not even able to do so. And this is where I was telling you is going to circle back to verses five and six when it says, "For the for those who are according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh." Okay, they are not able to set their mind on the things of the spirit. It is is an impossibility. It is an impossibility. A, a um, analogy that was given as I was studying uh, MacArthur, and it was such a sad analogy, um, is that the emotions and, and so on um, that a live person has, and this obviously all analogies break down to a point, but um, you know, a person that's alive has interaction and can, and can respond to things and so on and so forth. And MacArthur said he, he did a, a funeral for a baby, uh, a young child that had been in a car accident, just a, just a little one. And the mother, before the service started, went over the casket and picked the baby up out of the casket and held it. But what do we know about that child? It was lifeless. It felt nothing. It could not respond. It was dead. And it's the same understanding that we get with those that are in the flesh are lifeless and dead in their spirit. They cannot respond to the things of God and will not respond to the things of God. It is an impossibility outside of the working of God in them. Outside of God doing a, His miraculous work in them, it is an impossibility for such a person to do what? Verse number 8. What is it in, what's impossible for an unbeliever to do? It's impossible. Does anybody else have a different word there? Cannot. Okay. How do we understand the word cannot? Is, is the word cannot, can it be um, translated sometimes? Maybe if occasionally? Cannot means cannot. 
It doesn't mean occasionally. It doesn't mean every once in a while an unbeliever can please God. No. What does the Bible say about our, uh, an unbeliever's righteousness? It's as what? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. I won't get into that, but it's, it's an unpleasant rag. There is nothing that the person in the flesh can do to please God. What do we take from this today? I'll turn this on to you guys. We have a few more minutes than normal. So let, let's chat about this. How does Romans 8, 5 through 8 help us in our Christian life? What, what, what do we see this morning that is helpful in this uh, as we deal with humanity and as we look at ourselves? Give me some feedback here. Yeah, gives us compassion for him. But it also keeps us from getting overly frustrated with humanity. They're hostile towards God. They're gonna. I mean, for those that are able to make it on uh, or Wednesday night Bible study, and we're seeing how they're treating Paul, right? They're hostile towards Paul. Hate him. They're they're trying to. They're not only trying to accuse him of things he hasn't done. They're trying to get him to go from Corinth, or I mean, um, Caesarea to Jerusalem and ambush him and kill him on the way. They hate him so bad. Uh, and this are people that are ungenerated, but we should not be surprised in that. Where the rubber really meets the road, and, and something that we need to talk about and, and, and understand is what I brought up at earlier. When we're dealing with personal friends, relatives, family members, and people that we're close to, not just the world, uh, as a general statement, not just the person you meet at the grocery store or you see on TV, but those people that are close to us that are not regenerated. It does help us deal emotionally with the way that they act, the way that they do things. Some are worse than others, you know, some act in ways that. Uh, are not acceptable in society. Some act in ways that are acceptable to society. We're going to talk about that in the sermon today. Um, we should not be surprised in our world um, with the incredible sexual nature that we, we live in and the, the, the desires of the flesh being fulfilled in, in multiple different ways. Uh, and we should not be surprised that humanity is wanting to uh, eliminate the gender. Makes no sense to us as believers, as those. And, and, there's, uh, and I'm not going to say it only makes sense to believers. There's people out there that are not believers that think that that's an idiotic viewpoint. But, what's that? <laughs> okay, there, there's... there's there's people fighting against the, the gender war that aren't only believers, but 
You know, we shouldn't be surprised in our world that we see a rampant rise in uh, suicide and a rampant rise in killing of children in the womb. This is the fallen world, and it's what they do. They do heinous, horrible things that are in opposition to God, and taking life is one of those, Joe. Are you, are you speaking, judge them just ourselves? How, how, how do you mean that? Because you're saying judge and jury. Are you saying, should we be a part of a jury? Well, they still, well, they still are a, accountable. Even though they, you know, not everyone, uh, everyone is going to um, gratify themselves in their flesh as an unbeliever. Some go too far. Yes, uh, we, we do judge murderers. We do ju- judge child molesters. We do judge thieves. We do judge all of those because those are uh, crimes against uh, humanity. All right? Not all crimes against humanity or uh, not all crimes against God are crimes against humanity. Right? If I decide to... Um, you know, worship my horses, and, and that's what's most important to me over God. No one's going to come out to my ranch and say, "Mark, you're you need to go to jail because you love your horses more than God." Okay, now God's going to view that as a sin. Humanity doesn't. Now, if I, um, you know, steal a horse, or if I go and do something, that's a crime against humanity, and so humanity does judge humanity, and humans do judge each other. Right? We judge, and we understand. We're just not judgmental. There's a difference between judging what you see and how something is taking place and judging the actions of someone and then being judgmental on them is a different subject. And, and the way Christians should act and interact with uh, humanity is with compassion, with love, recognizing that our job as believers is to what? Share the truth of the gospel with them. Because without the hearing of the gospel, without the hearing of the word, there is no repentance of sin. And so our job as Christians is twofold. It's the first and primary is to preach and share the gospel with the world around us. And also to recognize they are acting out their nature and we should not be blown away by it. We shouldn't be just crawling up in a ball and not know what to do. Scripture tells us that this is, this is the way they're going to be. And this is who they are. So we shouldn't be surprised. Um, it doesn't mean that it's going to stop us from being frustrated, especially when it's family, especially when it's close friends that are unbelievers uh, and they're acting in ways that we as believers would say, oh, that, that's so far from where you should be. It helps us understand they cannot do anything but fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it is different for each person. Uh, and some, you know, and I don't, it doesn't give them an excuse, you know, as a believer that they're, that they're sinning against us or doing things that are wrong. They come to our house and steal our checkbook we don't say, oh, well, they're just doing what the lost people do. 
No, we don't, we don't act that way either, but we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't get fierce and anger and lash out at them for what we already know, that they're, this is their nature. This is what they're going to do. And it causes us to be all the more desirous to see them saved and to pray for them for their salvation. And that's the heart of the believer. Okay? But I believe Paul writes this here to remind us there is a difference between the flesh and the spirit. And those that live in the flesh cannot please God. And those that do live in the spirit can and do please God and are at peace with God. And there is a drastic difference between uh, the two natures. So hopefully that was encouraging this morning as I was studying it. Um, often what happens to me is I'll look at it and I think four verses. Oh boy, can I really go an hour and four verses? Yeah. There's a lot when you really start digging in and, and pulling back and not just reading the, the words on the page and then moving on, but really think about what it's saying. Um, it can open your eyes to how do we live uh, around and in society and, and deal with that. So. Okay. 9 through 11 or 12? 13, 9 through 13 next week. Five verses, so he's going to need an hour and a half. <laughs>